It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's going on today, Reggie? What up, man? It's good to hear that music because it means that we're talking sports again, ready to get into it. Yeah, we're discussing some unique position battles for the Vikings before they head into training camp and which big name could be the odd man out. Plus, talking twins snapped their six-game winning streak yesterday and later. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, if you enjoy Superior Sports Talk, you'll also enjoy our other daily show with NFL receiver Ron Johnson. Ron offers the unique view of an athlete-turned-broadcaster and brings you high-profile guests like Braylon Edwards, Adam Thielen, and Robert Smith. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or your favorite podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right. Let's talk about those Twins, shall we? Twins head in this one, hoping for their seventh in a row, but despite a chance in the bottom of the 10th, bases juice down to no outs, and the harder their lineup up, Correa goes down swinging, Kepler goes down swinging on like, I, I swear, like seven sliders in a row, and Gary <laughs> Sanchez pops one up to first, and the Twins fail to capitalize late. Reggie, they had their chances in this one. Again, another solid starting pitching performance, this time from Dylan Bundy. Just allows one run through five and two-thirds. In the end, though, twins lose, streak snapped. But still take the series over the Tigers. Your quick thought and takeaways from this game and just the series as a whole. So coming into this, you know, we were saying, like, look, you can't expect them to just sweep every team. You know, right. just because they're a quote-unquote bad team, they're still a professional baseball team. So I get that. That being said, that game was totally winnable. Like, it was totally winnable. And it's funny because, you know, they were scoring something like eight runs a game uh, over the last week before the last two games. And so – you're just like, man, like, let you know, let's go. Like, let's let's get it going. And it, it was just interesting that, you know, that two-run blast in the first was like all the runs that they scored, like the the whole rest of the way, it was just like, okay, are we gonna are we gonna do anything else? Just what nope. we're doing? Eight straight okay. innings of crickets. That's it. Yeah, That's it. and and so that was a little concerning because you're just like, you know. This team should be better than that, especially against a bad team like the Tigers. Like, you should be jumping on them and, and, and beating them down. And, you know, it's tough, man, because we kind of said this with the Timberwolves. It's like you don't let a team get close. You don't play with fire because at some point you're going to get burned. And I think yesterday was a good example of that, them getting burned. They let the, the same guy, Homer, twice. And then, you know, we go to extras. Had a chance in the ninth, didn't do it. And then you go to extras and you give up the the two-run bomb. And then you're like, look, man, it's over. But then they come back 
in the bottom of the tent and you're just like, oh man, like we, we, we might see some fireworks here. See some guys get on base. Now all of a sudden the bases are loaded and there are like, there's only one out and you're just like, okay, I know how this is going to go. And then you get the two guys come up and they and they get out and you're just like, dang, man, it was like the most anticlimactic ending that you can get. That was a brutal that was a brutal loss for the twins yesterday. But, you know, I don't think it's one that is like a backbreaker or anything like that. But that was one of those ones that, you, that, you know, looking back, you know, in a few weeks, you're looking back, you're just like, dang, man, we should have got that one. Yesterday seemed like a game they should have won. The day before mm-hmm. seemed like a game they should have lost, and they ended up pulling it out. So you kind of sit there. Again, you look at the whole series as a whole. They take two or three. You'll take that all day long. It was the Correa with no outs, bases juiced. He got a pitch up and in, and it almost looked like it hit his hand, and everybody yeah. just a collective breath. Oh, no, here we go again. I and think it was the bottom all, of thinking, his bat. Yeah, it ended up hitting the bottom of his bat. So it counts as a strike. You're originally thinking, oh, my gosh, you just got hit by a pitch. Boom, mm-hmm. there goes the run. All of a sudden, the deficit's only down to one. But that yeah. was the swing in momentum because the pitcher, Fulmer, came back with a nasty slider low and away mm-hmm. after he just brushed up Correa. He was brought to the ground. He had to collect himself, get his feet underneath him. And that just started it. And then, then obviously, uh, again, Kepler strikes out, I swear, like seven sliders in a row. Couldn't touch him. Sanchez <laughs> pops one out. Nothing yeah. going. Uh, again, just a missed opportunity there. Again, tough, he'll take man. three. It, it just felt like the Twins' bats, though, from innings two to nine, just needed some kind of spark somewhere in there yesterday and couldn't find it. Luis Arise, just one of five batting, drops down to a putrid 347. What's going on with oh Luis Arise? Man, just oh cut him down, man. Uh, he's changed, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. That's not the same guy I remember. Meanwhile, you've got Royce Lewis just beasted down in AAA for this. Oh, don't do this. Was named one of the best minor league players of the week. I have to, Reggie. The Twins need a spark in their lineup, and Royce is going off. How much longer does this go on? When can the madness stop? I mean, the people need Royce back in their lives. Tell me we're close to seeing Royce back up for the Twins. Well, look, you know, when Rocco Baldelli was asked, um, you know, right after he was sent down, he was like, look, we're going to find opportunities and ways to get Royce back up here. And you saw, you know, they're tinkering with some things. When he went back down to AAA for the Saints, they had him at third base. You know, he's a shortstop. You know, probably try to test him out in outfield or, you know, something like that just to try to, you know, get him, you know, maybe a second base or something just to try to get him some opportunities. Because, you know, when Correa is up, it's Correa's job, like, and everybody understands that, especially with the money that they're paying them. Correa's the guy. I get it. But when you got a guy like Royce Lewis who was playing well when he was up and then he's just been killing it in St. Paul since he's gone back down, it's just like, well, it's kind of time. I think it's time for this guy. Now, the question you asked is when? I have no idea. Because then now you're talking about taking someone else's spot who's already up and it's just like well who do you replace you know do you do you maybe send Miranda back down you know um 
you got Garlic, you got Larnick, you know, you, you pretty much have some outfield depth. So it's like, what do you do there? I, I really don't know who you decide that you're going to cast aside to bring Royce Lewis back. And then if you do bring him back, where do you put him in the lineup? Where do you put him, you know, on the field? I think there are a lot more questions than there are answers. And a lot of people are excited about Royce Lewis coming up. But it's just like, well, what's the plan? And I really don't know what the plan is at this point. I think just people at this point, especially if a couple losses start to, you know, collectively happen over the next, you know, few days, few weeks, then it's easy to start banging the table and say, all right, enough's enough. Royce Lewis needs to be in the lineup. When you're winning, it's a lot easier to say, okay, we can take our our time a little bit, let him Mm kind of get acclimated different positions down in the minors and then when he's up he's not going into left field or second base cold turkey he's kind of got his feet underneath him a little bit uh espn's weekly power rankings were released today twins catapulted from 12 to 9 breaking the top 10 for the first time this year of course the article goes on to just shove in our face how much better (laughs) we could be had they not traded paddock and taylor rogers who's been absolutely lights out but nonetheless Big market experts are calling this ball club, this team, Reggie, that was dead last in the division last year, a top 10 baseball team. How you like them apples? I mean, what's your quick thoughts and takeaways from a Twins being a top 10 in the power rankings just, what, seven weeks into the season? Yeah, I mean, it's encouraging, you know, and the Twins have benefited from a little bit of a soft schedule here early on. You know, they they got you know, hit and, you know, beat on a little bit, you know, early on to start the season um, with some of the competition that they had. But now you're looking at them, you're looking at them and you're just like, well, look, they're right there where you want them to be. And I think how exciting is it? How exciting is it that they are in the national conversation as a top 10 team in the league. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, they're a a small market team. You know, I never looked at Minneapolis as a quote-unquote small market just because of all the sports that we have here. And, you know, I guess when you look at it from a a money-spent standpoint of, you know, what it looks like, with them as opposed to maybe like a New York or a Chicago or L.A. or Boston or something like that. Like, okay, maybe you're a smaller market than them. Yeah, I get that. But it's it's kind of cool to see a quote-unquote small market team, you know, be catapulted into the national conversation because they are playing well. And I don't know if anyone were was really expecting them to be at this point where they are at this time during the season you know I think coming into the year you looked at and you're just like oh you know the White Sox are probably the class of this division and then you know maybe you think the Royals are going to be improved and then you know you probably put the twins somewhere in the middle of the pack you know maybe fighting for the second spot in the division but right now they're leading the division and that's encouraging if you're looking at it from a fan standpoint and if you're looking at it from a national standpoint to see those guys in there i do think that it's a little bit of low-hanging fruit at this point to talk about how chris paddock is now on his second tommy john surgery and taylor rogers is is being lights out you know but they did mention johan duran and the work that he's doing as a rookie he's he's amazing and so you're just like look 
it would have been cool if maybe you would have kept Rodgers and maybe those two are a one-two punch in the back end of the bullpen. Yes. But it's just like, come on, man. Like, just just let it happen. Like, it, it happened already. Nothing can be done about it. The The starters that the Twins have right now are filling in, you know, dutifully. But... It, it was going to be a decision that had to be made about Taylor Rogers anyway. And you got a guy, you know, when he comes back from the Tommy John surgery, who you'll still have a couple more years of control and he's still relatively younger of an, of an arm. And so you're just like, you know, it's okay. They'll, they'll weather this. It does sting a little bit. And, you know, we didn't need you bringing it up, ESPN. We already know what the deal is, Come on. jerks, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, it's, but it's like, look, even with that happening, they're still at number nine. And so there, there's a lot to be said about that. When twins look right. to get their winning streak going again starting today back at home for the first of four against a struggling Royals team. Casey has lost six in a row. Devin Smeltzer takes the mound after being called up for Joe Ryan, who was sent down for testing positive for COVID. So we'll have to keep tabs on how long he'll be out. I'm assuming at least a week or two, probably going to miss two, three starts at minimum. First pitch at Target Field, 6.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Coming up. We're talking Vikings position battles and which big name could be the odd man out. Plus, later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. But first, do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Okay, Reggie, well, we all know the new faces for the Vikings by now after a strong draft class to many experts, a solid offseason, big names like Zedarius Smith, retaining Daniil Hunter and Patrick Peterson. Reggie, we talked in depth about the NFC North and the Packers quite a bit yesterday and how this whole division fits in with one another, and it's clear. Once again, this whole thing should come down to the Packers and Vikings, according to many NFL experts. So I want to take a deeper dive and look at the defensive side of the ball between these two teams. And you tell me, if you were building a team today, which positional group would you take, the Vikings or Packers? Both teams are now running a similar 3-4 base defense, so Mm -hmm. we can kind of get an apples-to-apples comparison and look between the two. Let's start with the defensive line. Just looking at the starters for the Vikings, we know we've got Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, and a rotation of what I'm predicting to be Armin Watson, James Lynch. Could be a wild card in there we don't know about, but as of today, that's where we stand. For the Packers, you've got Kenny Clark in the middle, Dean Lowry, and now first-round rookie Devon Wyatt. Who's got mm-hmm. the edge, Packers or Vikings? Which which defensive line are you taking? I'm going to take the Vikings just because they have the most experience on that defensive line. And, you know, you, you look at guys that they've they've brought in, like Zadarius Smith, you know, Harrison Phillips, Horrible Harry. Like, those are some pretty impact guys on that defensive front. And you already, you know, have guys like Dalvin Tomlinson. And so I think that that's going to be a really, really strong unit for them. I think that's going to be a position of strength for them. And that's going to be something that I feel like puts them over the top. When you look at the Packers, like you got a couple rookies, you know, trying to fill out that those those couple spots on that line. And so, you know, 
while we talked about how all in that the Packers are on defense, I think there are some question marks and some things that remain to be seen when it comes to where those guys that they have brought in kind of fit in. And if, you know, guys are going to, you know, go to the next level, you talk about guys like Rashawn Gary and things like that, you're just like, well, you know, if if I'm going to put my money on it, like I'm taking Daniil Hunter. You know, he's a proven commodity when, when healthy. You know, I'm taking Zadarius Smith, also a proven commodity when healthy. And they have some guys on that on that front that really scare you. And they're going to be much improved as well with the run defense. That's something that, you know, we talked to Dalvin Tomlinson about the other day. And he was, you know, pretty much talking about how he felt like the run defense was going to be better because of the pieces that they added, the scheme that they're running now. And so, you know, week one, we're going to get a chance to see that, you know, on full display, and I think it's going to be advantage Vikings. Yeah, closer than I thought originally, thought Vikings right away, but uh, like a lot of uncertainty for me pending on who that third lineman is going to be. Mm -hmm. And I forgot, too, you can't forget this one, the Packers signed Jerron Reed from the Commanders, former first-rounder from Alabama, pretty rock-solid, so I'm going to just give a slight edge to the Packers, but man, call it a coin flip, pretty close. Like you said, we'll find a a lot more in week one when these two teams face off. You kind of touched on Zadarius and Hunter. Let's look at the linebackers here for both teams. Check these out, man. These are wild, man. Vikings, Hunter and Smith on the edge. Kendricks and Jordan Hicks in the middle. Packers, Rashawn Gary, absolute stud in the making, and Preston Smith on the edge. And Mm -hmm. Devondre Campbell, a pro bowler and and, and first-round rookie, Quay Walker from Georgia in the middle. That's tough, man. I mean, who you got in this one, linebackers, Vikings or Packers? (sighs) Okay, I'm looking at it. You know, Jordan Hicks was very solid last year. Three straight 100-plus um, tackles, I, I believe. Exactly. So, I mean, not the Just name brand, but pretty solid. As productive. guy. Yeah. yeah, as productive as they come. Eric Kendricks is an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. You know, you drafted Brian Asamoah to really kind of, you know, help and put some depth on that uh, linebacker core. <sighs> Man, this is tough. Um uh, Hmm. You know what? We're we're a Minnesota show. I'm just gonna go Vikings. I'm gonna go yeah. Vikings just because, like, you know, they have they have some some talent on that side, and I'm just willing to give them the benefit of the doubt there. Gary again, booming stud. Campbell, a Pro Bowler. Preston Smith, super solid in my opinion. I think it all hinges on how quickly your first rounder Quay Walker can get acclimated because you're only good is your weakest link and I know that's the Mm -hmm. question mark for them just because he's a first rounder doesn't mean there's not going to be some growing pains some rookie lumps that first year Jordan Hicks I guess would be the weakest of the four for the Vikings but he's had again three straight 100 plus tackles so we know what he's doing there pending everyone's healthy of course 
I got to go Vikes, man. I think if you oh, need yeah. to win one game like this, for sure, if you're building a team for the future in the long haul, I guess clearly the Packers may be a little bit younger while Zadarius Smith is in his 30s coming off back surgery. Kendricks is getting up there a little bit. A lot of different variables and factors for sure. But when healthy, again, I just think that star-studded ability of Hunter, Zadarius, and Eric Kendricks, a pro bowler in the middle, I, I think that gives me the edge over the Packers at the linebacker position. All right, last one, the secondary. Again, Vikes going youth movement here, bringing in Boot Jr., Caleb Evans, uh, Lewis Seen. They still got Cam Dantzler. They signed Chandon Sullivan to mm-hmm. be the nickel, mixed in with the Pro Bowl vets, the guys that have been here a while, Dirty Harry, Patrick Peterson. Packers just signed Jair Alexander as the highest-paid cornerback. He's a top-three corner. Uh, Eric Stokes, the first-rounder last year. Rasul Douglas at cornerback. He led the team with five interceptions. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos at safety, a first-rounder and second-rounder there, respectively. Who you got in the secondary here, Reggie? This one was the hardest for me. Yeah, this one is tough for me. Um, Man, I think just from a youth standpoint, maybe the Packers, Mm -hmm. uh, and especially, you know, Jair Alexander is – one of the best in the game right now. And so, you know, they paid him as such. And so I I think, you know, Patrick Peterson has another year under his belt, you know, another year older. So you're not really sure, you know, what to expect. It, it, It took him until the very last game of the season to get his first interception of the season to keep that streak going in his career. Um, Lewis seen is going to be, pretty good you you would hope Andrew Booth would be good you know if he stays healthy Cam Bynum you know you're expecting a jump from him not really sure what to expect from a Caleb Evans in his first year I think he's just going to be more so for depth but yeah it's a coin flip for me but I think if if you had to like force me I guess I'll go Packers yeah, I, I it's crazy, how, though, when you sit here and look at position by position, how close, specifically the linebacker and the secondary is, uh, as far as these two teams go, as far as just talent from starters. Right? We're not talking about depth or anything. Just your 11 starters in those positions specifically. Yeah. Uh, you know, I dock the Packers in the linebacker position because, again, Quay Walker is inexperienced. We don't know how long it's going to take him to get acclimated. So I got to do the same for the Vikings with two rookies, Andrew Booth Jr. and Lewis Seen. And when I look at the, just who's your number one corner, to have a stud shut down guy, locked down, clear that side of the field out like Jair Alexander has been. And when you look at the Mm -hmm. Vikings, Patrick Peterson, not the Patrick Peterson we're known for, not the name brand Patrick Peterson in his prime, still a great veteran number one guy, but not that true shutdown lockdown guy. When you got that number one lockdown corner, just does so many things for your defense and secondary. I'm going to give the edge to the Packers just by a hair, but again, Crazy to see just how close position by position these 11 starters are on the defense comparing the Vikings and the Packers. Again, you mentioned it. They'll face off week one. We'll know right away, real quick, which team has the edge early on. Again, specifically with the uh, Packers going a little bit more defensive uh, heavy over the last few offseasons, trying to change their identity, take some pressure off Aaron Rodgers. If the division plays out like many are expecting, again, the Vikings should be nipping at the heels. 
skills of the Packers all year long. So kind of fun just to go position by position and see how they match up both for the present and the long term as well. A lot of youth in both these teams at, mm -hmm. at multiple positions. All right, the time has come. My favorite segment is here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? Reggie, you ready? Let's do it. With a new head coaching staff, the Vikings have a mix of new faces and returning veterans that will bring highly competitive position battles come training camp. When looking at the wide receiver group specifically, what does it mean when projecting the odd man out from the group? As it stands today, I mean, I look at the list, I see six, maybe seven legitimate players who could make the cut. However, most teams, of course, only carry around five heading into the season. Is there one big name that you think, man, might be the odd man out here? Because they're not keeping all seven, if not even eight guys from this receiving core. Well, I guess the question would be, you know, who do you consider to be a quote-unquote big name? Mm -hmm. You know, well, I, um, for me, BC Johnson was coming. He was coming up pretty strong the first two years yeah. with Kirk Cousins had some good rapport before KJ Osborne. It was BC Johnson was the wide receiver three. Now, yeah. I took some heat a few weeks ago on Twitter saying he was cemented. He was supplanted as wide receiver three. All right. Maybe a little bit too strong of remarks there, but for sure, a great number four, if not a really solid number three until we develop KJ Osborne. But I'm looking at this. This, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, Dan Chisna probably makes the team for special teams. Blake Prohl, yeah, definitely a bubble guy, but Jalen Naylor was brought in as a draft pick. He's for sure probably yeah. going to make the team. B.C. Johnson, I think, could be the odd man out when just a year, year and a half ago, he was getting wide receiver three reps and, and producing at a pretty strong level there. Yeah, I think he, I think he'll be, I think he'll be in the mix with uh, Smith-Marset for wide receiver four. You know, KJ Osborne has arrived, if you will, and he's only yeah. going to be better next season. So the top three are set. Mm -hmm. JJ, Thielen, Osborne. And then when you kind of look at it, you know, you, they're going to keep Naylor around. They, you know, drafted him. And so, you know, they're going to continue to see what he does. You know, I don't anticipate he'll get – a whole lot of looks, but if you look at what the Rams did, they really mixed it up with a lot of their receivers. Um, I'm trying to think of what the guy, how to pronounce the guy's name, number 18 with the Rams. I think it's like Skaronic or something like that from from mm. Notre Dame. Like people were like, "Who?" Like when you got Van Jefferson and OBJ right. and right. Cooper Cup and you know all these guys, and you're just like, you're playing him, right? Like who is that? And so I think, you know, B.C. Johnson coming back from injury, you know, Blake Pro coming back from injury. I'm not sure really what to think about Blake, you know, but I think the top guys, you know, will continue to be J.J., Thielen, Osborne, Smith-Marset, Johnson, Naylor. That's six. So it's like pick your poison at, at seven. Again, anytime a new coaching staff regime comes in, you can't just assume – the guys that are returning are just automatic locks. I mean, Dan Chisna was brought on to be this special teams kind of ace. He's been a good gunner at times. He runs that 4-3-240. Maybe he'll get a mix in the punt return job, you know, when, when that all shakes out during training camp. But he was a guy that I kind of penciled in to be special teams guy. But, you know, just
just looking at the raw numbers again, how are you going to keep seven receivers? I don't think you can do it. Dan Chisna may be on the way out, or at least practice squad eligible. Blake Prohl as well there. But special teams comes into such a huge factor when it comes to these bubble guys. Who's going to stick out? during training camp on special teams, whether it be being a punt returner, being a gunner, being able to, again, just provide some sort of value outside of your main position, outside of receiver, that's going to be huge. Again, Jalen Naylor, you got a good track history of, of being a return man at Michigan State, both punt and kick return. So he should have a good edge and leg up on the competition there as well. Going to be interesting, though, to see how many receivers they actually end up keeping. All right, next one up. The Celtics are one game away from the finals after a 93-80 victory. More stifling defense, limiting the Heat to just 80 points and 82 points, respectively, their last two games. What does it mean for the Heat now, who have been a, a just a shell of themselves the last two games, to now rally back and win two straight? What's the more accurate summary here? Celtics rising up big to the occasion or the Heat suddenly collapsing? Uh, I, I know that it feels like a collapse, but you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Jimmy is a hundred percent. And I think them not being with, uh, Tyler hero is a pretty big blow to them as far as like their shooting and being able to keep up with a good shooting team like the Celtics. That being said, I don't think either team really shot all that well. In that last game, it was it was like a throwback. You had people talking about that was like a throwback to like 2006 Eastern Conference with with the low scoring affair. I looked up. I was like, is this 64 58 toward the end of the third? What am I watching? Like, what what year is this? Did we just flash back to, you know, back then when they were. You know, Eastern Conference Finals with LeBron and the the Cavs against the Pistons, or you know, any any one of those teams that you want to throw out there in the Eastern Conference back in the mid two thousands, like that was brutal. But you know, I think what is probably indicative of this series is just how lopsided it has been on either side, going back and forth, and so. I totally expect this next game for the Heat to come out and probably blow the Celtics out. That's just like how this series has been going. I've long contended that this series is going seven, and I don't know if the Heat really have what it takes to win two in a row, but I do think that they will come back and win game six and take it to seven, and then probably Boston closes it out from there. Yeah, that Eastern Conference going into the play was so tight. So many teams differentiated by one, two, three games heading into the playoffs. But injuries have been kind of the the quiet theme here. I mean, you got Joel Embiid was banged up with the thumb. Chris mm-hmm. Middleton, right, for the Bucks, That was a key piece the Bucks were missing. Kyle, yep. Kyle Lowry, I mean, he's played the last few games, but he's been a shell of himself as well. I think he went 0 for mm-hmm. 6 last night, something like 5 of 23 in the series. Jimmy Butler. Butler's got a sore leg, and then you mentioned it, Tyler Hero. He's been out the last two games as well. I think that'll be a key factor if he can not just playing in Game 6, yeah. but being a, a factor in that Game 6 because certainly injuries have played a huge factor throughout all of the Eastern Conference playoffs, but specifically in this series, Heat really taking one on the chin now. Just can't seem to stay healthy at the right time. All right, Reggie, you did it. You survived the gauntlet once again. We're back yes. here tomorrow 
breaking down more Twins, Vikings, NBA and NHL playoffs, and plenty more. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate, like, and review. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on Care 11 every night. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.